Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talks TV and Movie Show. This week on the show, I talk to Zachary Levi, the star of Shazam, about his new voice role playing a rooster in the much-anticipated sequel to Chicken Run, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. We get to grips with Willy Wonka's origin story in Wonka and the new movie Priscilla, all about the world's most famous pop star's wife. I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Fardy, or you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com. This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by GoLoud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm here on News Talk. Good weekend to you all. I hope you're doing well. Are you all set for the Christmas? I think when people actually ask you, are you all set now? It's it's often a joke at this stage. You know, uh, people hate being asked that. And rightly so. I don't know if I'm all set. I'm, I'm literally taking one hour at a time. I'm going to present this radio show for the next hour. And then after that, I'm not entirely sure. But it'll all be fine, as I hope it will be for you too. Now, we'd no show last week because of various reasons, sport and things like that. And then the previous week, we had one of our special shows, which I called Best Kept Secret where myself, Chris Wasser, and Aoife Barry nominated some movies we didn't feel get the attention that they deserve, uh, you know, that they don't seem to be in people's minds the way a lot of people, the way some people feel they should be. And we got a great reaction to it because people kind of love movies that they love that they don't feel a lot of people know about. So just bring you a flavor of a few of those. Dead Man's Shoes by Shane Meadows was nominated by Owen and Port Leash. Completely agree with that. The Painted Veil, another great movie, uh, comes to us recommended by Jen. Uh, stars Naomi Watts and Edward Norton. Of course, that's a great movie. You could have easily included that. And Eamon Donovan nominated The Last Seduction. Terrible title, but a great movie. And I agree with that as well. And there are loads more. I actually think that's a show we might repeat again next year. I don't mean play it again. I mean actually do it again with different movies because people love that kind of stuff, but they certainly seem to enjoy that one. And then the week before that, I had Julia Roberts on the show. And I really only mentioned that again because she was talking about the new Netflix movie, Leave the World Behind, and I interviewed her and her co-star, Myhala Herald, in a hotel in London. And, you know, News Talk put up a video, I think at the last count, it had nearly 80,000 views. A lot of people heard the show. And, you know, I've been doing this a while, but I haven't had as much communication or people talking to me about Julia Roberts. And do you know what the most common thing is? They said, was she nice? Was she nice? She seems lovely. Is she nice? Uh, it's funny. I've had that conversation for the last three weeks since I did that interview with lots of people. What's she like? People really hoping that she's nice. She seems to occupy this kind of American sweetheart position. She was very nice. Now, you know, I was in a hotel room for 10 minutes with her and her co-star. But in that limited time, she did seem very nice, I have to say. And uh, there was a lot of people around her. But once she was doing her bit, she was very pleasant. So, and Leave the World Behind is kind of getting very mixed reviews. Some people really don't like it. It's on Netflix, a dystopian movie. I really enjoyed it. There's some great scenes in it, particularly one with a load of cars. Just 
leave that out there. The movie alone is worth a scene with cars in it. If you've seen it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So that's all that I've been up to in the last wee while. And sorry, before we get to this week's show, I do want to mention in two days' time, if you're listening on the radio, I will be back Christmas Day at 12 o'clock when I'll be bringing you my now annual uh, Screen Time Special Christmas show. My Christmas Screen Time Special, I believe it's technically referred to as, which is a very gentle show where I'm simply bringing you some clips from great Christmas movies and TV shows and, of course, some festive music from those movies and TV shows. It's a nice listen, if I may say so myself. A nice accompaniment while you're, you know, basting the turkey or basting yourself or, you know, it's, it's gentle. It's, it's, it's a no-commitment listen. No one's asking you to tweet in or nominate anything. Just sit back and let festive movies and TV wash over you from 12 to 1 on Christmas Day on Monday uh, here on News Talk. Now, this week I was watching this. Right. All we have to do now is keep quiet and not draw attention to ourselves. cock a doodle um, given our new situation, maybe you shouldn't crow anymore. <coughs> Don't crow? <laughs> but that's like my thing. Maybe you could do a different thing. A quieter one? Wow, look at this! Molly, get away from that! Uh, Jen, can we talk about... The whole... right, you know. Ah! Careless squawks cost lives. We have to lie low. I'm running a camouflage lesson at noon. If you can find me. Uh, Rocky the Rooster there talking to his daughter, Molly. <laughs> The Chicken. Now, this is from Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. Chicken Run, the original one from nearly 20 years ago, was the highest grossing stop-motion animated film in history. And it's a great movie, the original. Grossed over $220 at the time. It centred on a group of chickens in the north of England in a chicken farm trying to escape. It's kind of almost a take on The Great Escape. And Rocky the Rooster comes in from a circus and helps them fly away uh, before they're all turned into chicken pies. As I say, it was highly successful. From Aardman, that genius studio that gave us things like Wallace and Gromit and Just Do Stop Motion delightfully. It is now back with Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget on Netflix. It's a Netflix release. The main characters, Ginger and Rocky, who you heard there, their voices have now been replaced. Somewhat controversially, it, it apparently... It had to do with their aging voices. So there was some consternation about that. As I say, Ginger and Rocky are now played now by Tandu Newton and Zachary Levy. And in this one, they are now living, having escaped on this kind of island where all is well with the chickens. And Rocky and Ginger now have a daughter, Molly. Yet an old enemy of the chickens returns and they have some state-of-the-art chicken processing and this could spell serious trouble for the chickens. And there is another heist of sorts, let's just say that. I think this has a lot of character and humour and flavour similar 
to the first one and uh, it is a great watch which two of my three children watched and enjoyed immensely now as I say Rocky Rocky the rooster he's had his wings clipped a bit he's now living on the island in domestic bliss with his new young daughter and his wife now he's played in this movie by Zachary Levi who most people probably know from Shazam he plays Shazam in the movie Shazam and also Shazam Fury of the Gods he was in Thor he did voices in movies like Tangled he also also wrote a very emotive uh, memoir called Radical Love uh, a few years ago, all about his kind of career and his mental health. Really interesting, friendly chap who I spoke to about Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, and a bit more besides earlier in the week over Zoom. I'm well, thanks, John. How are you doing? Very well. Greetings from a wild and windy Ireland. Uh, tell me this. Ardman, it's it's a beloved studio, certainly on this side of the water, all the way back to Wallace and Gromit. As a person, as a man who's done, you know, voice work in the past with things like Tangled, was this always on your wish list to work with this bunch of guys and gals? Uh, as a matter of fact, yeah. So you know, Wallace, you're you're not wrong. I mean, you know, this this is a UK, you know, beloved UK uh, IP and brand, all, and all the way back to Wallace and Gromit, but. We got that too in the U.S. You know, we 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 started with some Wallace and Gromit back in the day too, and it was it's been a really beloved, and particularly within the stop motion animation world. If you knew all of that and you loved all of that, and I do, um, so yeah, getting to work with these guys was super cool. And the initial Chicken Run is to this day one of my favorite movies. It was so funny. I probably saw it in theaters multiple yeah. times. Um, still, still, uh, even quoting Babs uh, occasionally. Uh, because she's so hysterical and Fowler, uh, <laughs> back in my day of the RAF, all that. Like literally, I like I I loved the movie. So all of a sudden, for instance, circle back into my life, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna reboot this franchise, and would you like to play this iconic role of Rocky? Uh, you know, take take the torch from Mel Gibson." I'm like, "This is insane! What what an incredible honor!" So yeah, all real real fun. Yeah, my, I have three children. My five-year-old loved it. And my 11-year-old's too cool to watch this kind of stuff now. But he, he begrudgingly liked it as well. But I really liked it as well. And like, there are jokes in here for adults. I guess that's kind of the sweet spot of any good kids movie, isn't it? It's one that someone like me in his 40s can sit down with his kids and get plenty of laughs out of as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's actually the, the kind of hallmark of all... I'm really all great entertainment, whether it's intended, whether it's intended for it to be, let's say, a proper four quadrant family movie or a movie that, you know, let's say is, is it, you know, it's a, it's family, uh, um, what what would be the term for it? I don't know. But it's like, like, for example, like Ghostbusters. I don't know if you've ever watched, like gone back and watched Ghostbusters. Many times. But right, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it, but. What's incredible is that I remember watching that movie as a kid and mm. anything that was adult, it was over my head. I didn't know what was being said. I just knew that there was Slimer and there was the Stay Pup Marshmallow Man and, and all the things that, you know, kind of delight you as a child. I, this is what, what Disney tapped into and I think what Art Man does uh, so well uh, mm. uh, as well, which is it's creating intelligent family entertainment. It, it's not yeah. a matter of catering to... 
uh, or just capitulating to what is the like the, the the children's concept of of all of that. It's not children's entertainment. Children's entertainment is very different than family entertainment. Family entertainment requires mm. you stimulating the minds of the children, but also the you know particularly the parents and having humor in there that will sail right over a child's head. And it, and and that's what's so fun about it. It's, it's almost like it's like an inside joke amongst all the adults yeah. that are watching it. You know, and yeah. Uh, yeah, we and we've got that in spades, so it's great. <laughs> There's plenty of those in it. You mentioned Rocky, who you play in this. Can you just give listeners and viewers a, a tiny sense? He's a, he's a man who's transitioned a bit. He was this wild kind of rooster, but now he's he has to take on the mantle of family, which can clip all our wings, if you'll pardon the pun. <laughs> oh, wow. I hope there's going to be lots of puns today. Um, no, <laughs> absolutely. Listen, in the first movie, you know, he's... He's this lone ranger. I mean, I even kind of talk about it. You know, he talks about it in this film. He was kind of this lone rangery type of a character, you know, and um, and uh, on his own, you know, kind of bachelor rooster journey of whatever. And then, but then he meets Ginger, and so the first movie is so much about him. Oh wow, I'm not just this lone ranger. I actually, you know, I I found love uh, with this yeah. wonderful hen. And uh, and now that's just evolved in the second film, which is you know hence the name Dawn of the Nugget because we have a kid. And then what what happens to this Lone Ranger who then finds love? Well, now he's a father, and and the things that you learn, you know, and the way that his character evolves, and you know all these little cracks in the armor because he really is you know a big softy down in there and has these yeah. vulnerabilities and cares so much about his daughter, you know, so much that he's going to go sacrifice his own life to go save hers, you know? So, um, it's a really fun arc, I think to be able, and, yeah. and one that's really, you know, it's a, it makes all the sense in the world to have that kind of be what the second film is about. Yeah. I'm sure in the last five years, you haven't done an interview where Shazam hasn't come up and this will be no exception. I'm afraid, <laughs> but it seems to me right. like we're talking about, we were talking about this sweet spot of this movie. I think the sweet spot of a lot of good superhero movies, and as you know, there are plenty of bad ones as well as good ones, but the one where the superhero is bumbling, like I used to love The Greatest American Hero oh, yeah. because the guy got the suit and couldn't, and Shazam is a bit like that was because I know you're a superhero fan, but when you got the script, were you cheesed off that they weren't giving you Batman, who's this tough, vengeful guy, or did you like that it was this kind of guy who didn't have a clue, really? I mean, listen, art imitating life, imitating art. Uh, just the bumbling guy who doesn't have a clue working his way through it all. Uh, fake until you make it, right? So listen, yeah. uh, no, man, I, and this is not to knock or slag any other superhero because sure. I think they're all so cool. And I grew up reading all the comics and playing all the video games and, and dreaming about being a superhero. Um, yeah. and, and, and there are so many great ones. And listen, to, to have played Batman or Superman or, you know, uh, incredible opportunities. But I drew, two of my favorite movies growing up were, were Superman with Christopher Reeves and Big with Tom Hanks. And I got okay. to do both in the same movie. I got to do, yeah. which then ultimately allowed me to play a very distinctly different type of superhero. In fact, I think the closest that I can even think of is in a whole other universe. It's in Marvel. It's Spider-Man. I think Billy Batson and Peter Parker are actually quite mm -hmm. um, similar in their DNA. They're teenagers that, are, that have big hearts that have been imbued with these powers. 
and they they're they got to remain kind of anonymous, but also they, they got to go out there and use it to make the world a better place yeah. and help people. And I love that. I love the amount of heart that's in that. You know, Batman is an incredibly cool character to play, but also, by the way, not without its drawbacks. I mean, every one of those actors that's played the role has all said, like, what do you do? You have this much of your face to to perform with. You know, how do you yeah. how do you really emote? You know, and then just the voice yeah. and all the things and. You know, I don't know, yeah. man. I, I was just super grateful that I got to play Shazam. It was such a fun role. Yeah, well, you, well, you did it very well. Listen, uh, Wikipedia, the uh, internet place where lots oh, sure. of people go, <laughs> it's, it describes your background as German, English, and Welsh. But my understanding is there's plenty of Irish in there, and I'm sorry to Irish it up, but you consider, you've like 25% is good Irish, my, is my understanding, right? Well, you know what? Listen, according to Twenty Three and Me, uh, right. I'm I'm about fifty five percent, like English Channel mutt. So so I've got I've got <laughs> English uh, uh, and Welsh and and a good amount of Irish, but I'm mostly Welsh of that okay. of that amalgamation. Uh, okay. And then and then and then I'm about twenty five percent French German, fifteen okay. percent Spanish Portuguese. So I have a little Latin in me also, you know. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. But listen, man. My the Irish in our blood is from both sides of my family, and our grandmother was really big into the Irish American Club in Ventura, California, where I grew up. So I was in the uh, I was in the St. Patrick's Day parade. Every year, sporting all the green. We had they had this massive green inflatable pig that <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. Someone someone found a massive green inflatable pig, uh, and and they thought well, this would be great for the for the uh, St. Patrick's Day parade. And so they put it on a big flatbed, and then we would just march along. I don't know what the significance of a pig is in St. Patrick's Day. I don't know that there is a significance, but we had them nonetheless. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it stood to you. Look, you you grew up to be Shazam, so maybe that's the key. You know? the, as, See green that, pigs as that, a kid. The, the luck know. of the Irish. Look at this manifesting. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, listen, we're out of time. Uh, congratulations on on the, the latest chicken run, Dawn of the Nugget, and continued success. Lovely to talk to you, Zach. Thank you so much, man. Have a great rest of your day and happy holidays. Zachary Levi there talking about his Irishness and starring in Shazam and of course starring in Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget the sequel to Chicken Run which is now on Netflix as we speak and a nice Christmas family watch even though it has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas up next we better talk about Wonka Now you're welcome back to Screen Time News Talks TV and Movie Show. It is the 23rd of December. Now, I was off last week and the previous week we had a special show, so we haven't got to Wonka until now, that is. I'm delighted to be joined by, for her first time on the show, movie buff, freelance writer, Manny Monikers, Neve O'Reilly. Neve, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. How are you? Very well. Now, I went to see this last night with my two kids and I was very reluctant because I adore Willy Wonka and I Mm -hmm. don't really like prequels and all that. Mm -hmm. So let's get on to what it's all about. Is it an origin story? Is it fair to say that? Um, Yeah, I was of the same mind of you uh, as you because um, I grew up with seeing the Gene Wilder 1971 classic on the TV Every Christmas. This time of year, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so for me, Gene Wilder is Willy Wonka. Yeah. And, you know, he is he is it. Yeah. And 
Uh, we're living in a time where we've never had more prequels and requels and yeah. reboots and yeah. sequels. And sometimes you think, is there really a need? You know, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Yes. So I was not filled with a lot of hope for this. And when the trailer dropped, didn't really fill me no, with hope no. either. But I was completely wrong. I went to see this with my seven-year-old. And it was the first sort of grown-up film that okay. I had brought him to. Yeah. Before this, I'd only brought him to kind of animated yeah. um, films. So he loved it and I loved it. And I came out of the cinema <clears throat> with a genuine smile on my face, yeah. feeling joyous. Yeah. And I can't tell you the last time I came out of a film feeling that way. Because, you know, in our line of work, we see a lot of films and a lot of times you come out and it's thought-provoking or it's a tough subject matter or it's great performances. This is joyous. Um, and it, it is a musical for anybody wondering. Um, I know the director, Paul King, has been quite strong in saying it's not a musical, it's just a movie with music in it. <laughs> but it's a musical. But it's wonderful. Neil Hannon um, wrote the songs for mm. it um, and they're really catchy. And I mean, it starts off, we have Willy Wonka, a young Willy Wonka, I'm going to say around early 20s. And we see him and he has just finished sailing around the world to try and find the secrets to making the best chocolate, mm -hmm. I mean, in the world. So literally the first scene is him stepping off a boat with a hat full of dreams um, and he's ready to set up shop. So he heads straight for the centre of town um, and the town is dominated by three, um, three guys who run sort of a chocolate cartel, yeah. for want of a better word. So they are not too happy to see Willy Wonka rolling up and his chocolate. Uh, is and sorry to interrupt you, but one of them is Slugworth, who will, people will know yes, from the original. Yeah. absolutely. So there's nice little ties in yeah. there to the original book, which is lovely. Um, and so they taste the chocolate, the townspeople taste the chocolate, and they are literally floating on air from it. It is sensational. So they get one taste and they say, right, we've got to close him down. <laughs> so poor old Willie cannot catch a break. Um, and they have paid off the local police chief um, who has a bit of a penchant for chocolate himself. Um, so at every turn, poor Willie is thwarted and then he falls foul of Olivia Coleman, who is on terrific form in this film yeah. as Mrs. Scrubbit. And she's a real Roald Dahl-esque baddie. Yeah. Um, and so she runs this local, <clears throat> it's a laundry, but it's also like an inn. So poor Willie, kind of down on his luck, he doesn't have much money. He goes in, signs what he thinks is like the guest register, but actually it's a big hidden um, contract of terms and conditions, which makes him basically an indentured servant to uh, Mrs. Scrubbit. He finds himself in um, in the, the basement of the building, in the laundry, where he finds uh, a group of misfits who've also fallen foul to uh, Mrs. Scrubbit. So he kind of makes friends um, with them. And uh, the main sort of person he connects with is a girl called Noodle. Mm -hmm. She's an orphan um, and she's also uh, stuck working, working, being a servant um, for Mrs. Scrubbit. So with her help, um, he sneaks out of uh, the laundry and uh, tries to get the ingredients he needs and tries to stay away from um, the local law enforcement and get his chocolate together and open the shop. And a battle of chocolatiers begins. Basically, yeah. yeah. And in the midst of all of this, we have Hugh Grant turning up as an umpalumpa. And <laughs> it 
kind of, no disrespect to Hugh Grant, but it seemed to me it was almost the role he was born to play. He's like, narky and cranky, and yet he's also charming, which I think is a perfect summation of Hugh Grant in real life. It it's seems. perfect. And he, I think Hugh Grant has really grown into this, um, these kind of roles. Yeah. I mean, we saw him in Paddington too. And he's terrific in that as well. Leaning into that baddie, yeah. but sort of mischievous baddie. Yeah. He's almost winking at yeah. the camera, I felt, yeah. in this um, film, because you're sort of thinking, okay, you're an umpa this is really weird. And yeah. it is weird at the yeah. start. But he's sort of looking at the camera going, you love it, you know? Yeah. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so he's brilliant and he's called Lofty, which is quite funny because he's an umpa But anyway, <laughs> um, he turns up and he provides um, a lot of little comic moments um, with Timothy Chalamet, who is playing Willy Wonka. So there's lovely little moments there. Um, and let's get to Chalamet because yeah. the idea, and Johnny Depp did it, and he did it well, but I still think those movies were a misfire and ever remaking it was mm-hmm. Bad idea. But Chalamet, I I felt, and I want to know what you think, seemed like a perfect, you know, earlier Wonka. He did it so brilliantly. I can't believe how well he pulled it off. I completely agree. And I was anxious about him, Mm. you know, because as I said, Gene Wilder is up there sort of on a movie pedestal for me. Yeah. Um, But what, there's been criticism, I suppose, leveled at um, this iteration of Wonka for not being too dark. But I think it's correct because this is a young Wonka who, before the world has kind of (laughs) done him dirty, before people have broken in to try and steal his secrets in his factory and before he's lost his faith in the good of children and all that stuff. So he is, he's Mm. less dark and this is a much less darker uh, character of Wonka. Mm -hmm. Now there's darkness in the film. I mean, the baddies are bad, you know, Um, but he is, he's lighter and he's sort of more innocent. Um, And I like, I really liked how he played it. It was, the perfect balance, I yeah. thought, for me. It wasn't too overly sweet or sentimental, um, you know, because some bad things do happen to him, you yeah. know. Um, but he just played it just right, yeah, I he, thought. Yeah, he was and, brilliant. And not a bad singing voice either. Um, I could be some auto-tune <laughs> okay. there. Yeah, no, probably, probably. You're not coming to this really for the singing, but I completely no. agree with you, though. Neil Hannon does a great job with the music and it's great to see that, yeah. not that he's not a successful musician, yeah. but one would think this is a big step for Absolutely. his career. Absolutely, and they're catchy enough. I mean, yeah, that very first song, you yeah. know, Hat Full of Dreams. But I have to say, all the way through the film, I was wondering... Are we going to hear pure imagination? Because a lot of the songs... I don't think we should say... I'm not going to say whether we do or we not, but a lot of the songs have similarities to it. And I was sort of holding out for that. So there was was that in the back of my mind. Show up and see. It also looks... You know, it's Paul King who gave us Paddington. Yeah. It looks gorgeous, doesn't it? It's an absolute delight. Like, I mean, they don't tell us where um, this town is, but at times it looks almost Parisian. Yeah. It looks almost German. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. And, uh, you know, the, the musical numbers as well, it's a very old school style of musical. Like, it's not La La Land. It's not no. trying to reinvent the yeah. wheel. I mean, it is what it is. And it's people, you know, waving umbrellas and dancing on the street yeah. and sort of almost Dickensian yeah. or like Oliver yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, absolutely. Which is lovely. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And I think, you know, Paul King is leaning into that yeah. and, and owning it. And if if you liked Paddington and Paddington 2, I mean, this shares an awful lot of DNA with that. A lot yeah. of the cast, like we have Sally Hawkins mm. um, in this Wasn't film. Wasn't sure about her accent. I was just going to say. Yeah. Does it sound like um, it was meant to be Irish maybe? It was. She was yeah. meant to be Irish. And I just thought, no hate to yeah. Sally Hawkins. She's a delightful actress. Yeah. I love her. And she does bring this lovely warmth to the role. And there's only a few small scenes where she is in it, but it's beautifully yeah. done where Willie is a little boy. Um, but the accent... It just... On the side of the angels, though, there's a police chief uh, played by Keegan-Michael Key who's 
really the star. Not the star, but he's brilliant. Oh, and he gets increasingly larger by eating too much chocolate. There's some brilliant gags. My my son thought that was hilarious, yeah. like because he has this love of chocolate and he just, yeah. the uh, three big chocolate cartel just keep paying him off and he's like, okay, I will then. And he just keeps getting bigger and bigger every time you see him. Um, but he was great. And also Rowan Atkinson turns yeah. up in a little extended cameo. I thought he was hilarious. I don't know if you're in the cinema, but I heard a couple of people going, it's Mr. Bean. Bean, they do. I should say, I was there with two of mine and they were 11 and 8 and mm. they adored they it. it. Adored it. I didn't go for the, in the cinema I was in, the Wonka combo, which was going oh, to cost eighteen ninety five, which what? was just, yeah absurd. Let's not get into that now. <laughs> so listen, Eve, this is your first time on the show, so yeah. you may not be aware, but I am going to ask you for a star rating. So Ooh. what are you going to say for Wonka? And is this out of five? This is out of five, and it has to be stars. Do you know? I don't normally get so carried away with a film, yeah. but it was it was just utterly charming. It mm. just and no spoilers, but there is a scene at the end that got me right in the feels yeah. and I wasn't expecting that from this film. So I'm going to say five. Wow. It is the perfect family film. My seven-year-old, as I said, he just, I looked over at him, you know, and he was smiling throughout yeah. it. I was smiling throughout yeah. it. You could bring small children to this. You could bring cynical grown-ups yes. <laughs> to this. <laughs> and I think you'd have to have a heart made of stone not to enjoy this. Yeah. It's just got everything. Um, I loved okay. it. Yeah, Five stars. That's high praise. I'm going to go four just because, uh, you know. Because you're I, cynical. I guess I am. I can't <laughs> give them out that easy. But that is Neve O'Reilly, uh, freelance writer and film buff, giving five stars for Wonka, which is very much in cinemas and will be certainly over the holidays. But it's a big thumbs up from both of us. Neve, thanks a million. Thanks a million. I demand to be released. Incredible. You can speak. Well, of course I can speak. Now let me out of here or I shall shriek. Let me out. Not until I take a good look at you. Good evening. So you're the funny little man who's been following me. Funny little man. How dare you. I will have you know that I am a perfectly respectable size for an Oompa Loompa. An Oompa what now? In fact, in Loompa land, I am regarded as something of a whopper. They call me Lofty. So I will thank you to stop gawping at me as though I was something unpleasant you'd found in your handkerchief. I find it uncomfortable and frankly rude. A clip there from the surprisingly good Wonka. And you heard me talking to Neve O'Reilly there about it, who gave it a whopping five stars. I gave it four. It's pretty delightful, though, I have to say. And uh, I was very surprised. And it is in cinemas and a great family viewing. I went with two of my three, as I mentioned, Paid for the overpriced popcorn, but enjoyed it immensely. Up next, Priscilla and what it was really like to be Elvis's wife. Now you're welcome back to the last part of Screen Time. Now, a new release that's coming on the 1st of January is the much-anticipated Sofia Coppola-directed Priscilla, all about, yes, the most famous Priscilla in the world, the lady who was Elvis Presley's wife. I'm delighted to be joined now by Kira Tracy, News Talk's own Kira Tracy, who has seen it. Hello, Kira. Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me. So... Is this the kind of corrective to Baz Luhrmann's Elvis? That's what it's being built. I've seen this as well, but I want to hear your views on it. Yes. So I've kind of coined it as like the anti-Elvis. Okay. I feel like, you know, he's given this godlike status and I know he was seen in this godlike way, you know, when he was in his prime. However, this really shines a light and puts... Elvis's relationship with Priscilla under a microscope and really shows the kind of narcissistic side and 
to call it, you know, what it is, like the grooming of Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Now, that's going to be contentious for some Elvis fans, but I think this movie possibly or very clearly shows that you could definitely say Elvis groomed Priscilla because the movie, and you can take it up from here, begins with a 14-year-old girl in a German army base with her parents and she gets a call from Elvis. Tell us what happens. Yes, so it's during the Korean War. He, Yeah, they're in Germany during that time and this guy comes up to Priscilla, a very young-looking 14-year-old girl doing her homework or something, and he's like... Do you like Elvis Presley? Well, he likes to see people from home. I think you should come along to one of his little get-togethers. Yeah. And they have to, like, he has to ring Priscilla's parents because she's 14 and they're like, oh, I don't know about this. And then they meet. Yeah. And what happens then, Karen? So, <laughs> well, without giving too much away, uh, he's quite tentative with her. But, you know, there's a little, like, you see there's interest beyond friendship, you mm. know, as, you know... <laughs> which is so crazy because she's a 14-year-old girl. And he's like, I'd like to see some more. So this is constant back and forth between getting permission from her parents and meeting up and going to the cinema. And he does show this like emotional, vulnerable side. However, that's where I feel like the grooming starts, you know, coming into play. Yeah, so he then, you know, he goes off and does whatever and tours yeah. well, mostly in movies at that stage in his career. A lot of them got off in movies. Yeah. But uh, clam bake, but... Uh, <laughs> He then calls Germany and basically says, can you come and live with me while I'm here and not here? Yeah, so there's a lot of yo-yoing actually with Elvis and his kind of seeing of Priscilla. So there are times like that when he will send over these tickets to go over to America and spend time with each other. And then he can very quickly at the drop of a hat be like, right, pack your bags, you're going. And sometimes in a really nasty way that, mm. that you know, that shows that kind of abusive side of the relationship. And she just wants to be with him. She really fits in with the rest of the 14-year-olds obsessed with Elvis, but she gets this look in behind the curtain and it's not pretty. And what we see then is what is is abusive behaviour in, in terms of how he treats her or certainly controlling behaviour? Controlling, absolutely. And I think the two go hand in hand, if I'm being honest. Sure. I think there's this kind of, you know... There's a, there's a scene where she goes into Elvis's pocket and finds this card from a, from a woman saying, when am I going to see you again? Like, that was great. And she she kind of rightly goes like, what's all this about? And he just flips and he like starts packing her bags. He's like, right, you're going home. He's like, do you not trust me? And and all of this kind of, and it's, it's scary. Like, it's pure aggression. And she, like the child that she is, just, or like a human that she is, breaks mm-hmm. down crying and begs, please don't go, please don't go. And then straight away, as soon as she's kind of accepted her fate, he then goes... I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. I need you. Like, you know, it's textbook abusive controlling behaviour. And in terms of the kind of arc of Priscilla's story, how much of her life in this movie do we see? Up until what point? So, and this was my only kind of, not critique, because I I think I'd love to explore more of her life post-Elvis, but we only see up until her escape. Quite literally, she's driving out of Graceland after she says, I'm done, like I'm Mm. leaving, I need to be free. Mm. By which time she's had a child with Elvis. She's had a child, yeah, she's a woman now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And yeah, and it's kind of like a, it's a cathartic moment in the film when it ends, like she's literally driving away Mm. and it's brilliant. I would have loved to have seen more, you know, afterwards, but I think this is a story about their love story. It's come to an end. Yeah, Kaylee Spaney plays Priscilla and, you know, we see her move from this coy 14-year-old girl who's, 
in love with Elvis to eventually a woman who's able to say, I got to get out of here. Do you think she did a good job? Like, phenomenal job. So there are so many moving parts to why I think this film is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I think the acting is one. And then you have Sofia Coppola, who, who was like, right, I'm going to cast these people. And then the hair, makeup and costume team. Mm. are. In, like, I had to Google whether there was CGI involved in this. Because and there's none, sure there there's is. There's none. Yeah. But the way they make her look every part of the 14-year-old girl she's meant to be playing. Uh, and then you kind of see this evolution of womanhood, you know, yeah. throughout the film. And it's done perfectly and subtly, even uh, in ways where it really puts a spotlight on the kind of concerning parts of their relationship. Like when Elvis says, right, more dark makeup, let's yeah. dye your hair black and the heels and the clothes. And he's very controlling with her wardrobe as yeah. well. So the clothes and the kind of materialism is a big part of, explaining the story of their yeah. relationship. And Elvis is played by... Jacob Elordi. Who I just thought was, like you, brilliant. Brilliant. I, I would honestly say he he did maybe a better job than Austin Butler did. And without... He did a different job, but go on, go A different on. job, but he didn't have to go three years deep into pretending he no, was. He didn't go full method. He was incredible. And another part of why they were casted so perfectly was he is six foot five mm. and Kaylee Spaney is five foot one. And that really, again, the kind of beyond words, the physicality of of the two characters, we it really exposes the paternalistic and kind of predatory relationship between the two of them as well. Yeah. Now, uh, there, you know, one of the things that kept occurring to me, certainly in the early days of of their courtship, it, and which it, I mean, you can call it that, even though it might have been unhealthy, yeah, to say the least, is that like he's at one point dressing or or she's doing things, and he has his gang with him, and like she's being paraded around like a show pony, and he's going, "You're gorgeous," and his pals are, you know, because they're paid to say anything, yeah. and it was not that it isn't upset unsettling when it's just him and her but the idea that there was a whole troop yeah, almost pack, looking at a pack of wolves yeah. you know and she's the lamb and, and it was very scary like the kind of physicality and again the use of space like they're all on one side of the room and she's kind of like a trophy yeah. kind of you know being like oh what and oh doesn't he yeah doesn't she yeah. look great like it was very scary but I have to say looking at the dy- dynamics of Jacob Elordi as Elvis uh, what I would say to people as well is like Jacob is a beautiful man and you kind of fall in love with Jacob. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you understand that kind of allure that Elvis had yeah. through him. And then you're like, wait, wait, look, he's talking to a 14-year-old. This is yeah. crazy. So you really see the charisma and the hold that he had on people. But Jacob did a fantastic job at also showing the other side, the abuse, the control. Yeah. Tell me this, just in case people think we're doing some, I don't know, post-me to deconstruction of the Elvis story. This is based, Sophia Coppola took uh, Priscilla Presley's autobiography, the memoir she yeah. wrote, right? Yeah, so and this I'm, is permission and, as well. Yeah. Say again? There's permission involved. I yeah, think. so this very much has Sophia, or sorry, has Priscilla's blessing. Yeah, absolutely, which I think... Doesn't that say a thousand words yeah. itself? Yeah. Um, there are some really great usages of what Priscilla has told the public incorporate into the film. So one that always kind of blew my mind and just shows, again, the levels of kind of toxicity and disgust in the relationship was Priscilla once told people, oh, as soon as I had a baby, Elvis stopped seeing me as attractive. Mm. You know, it's kind of like a, well, you're a mother now. Like, you, I can't see you as, as a sexual being which is mental and that is displayed so well in the mm. film as well. You really kind of see this disconnect and the other women involved in Elvis's life as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, and just, you know, 
I thought the the Elvis movie from a couple of years ago that Baz Luhrmann made with, with with Austin Butler. I mean, there was a lot to recommend that, but I suppose this is, you know, Sophia Copeland going. Well, hang on a second. This is you know Elvis was the true pioneering king of rock and roll. There's no debate yep. about that. But if we look deeper into his life, you know, this was an unhealthy possibly abusive relationship where he groomed a 14-year-old girl. I mean, it's, I don't think Sophia Coppola is trying to throw out that Elvis movie, but she's saying this is an important amendment to that story or a corrective or... Yeah, and also more importantly for me is to give Priscilla that yeah. agency as well, yeah. you know, without seeing it through the eyes of Elvis, we're kind of seeing it from her eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is so important, especially from, you know, what was once a 14-year-old girl who just got caught up in this whirlwind of... Of craziness. Yeah. I thought that was so important and uh, I was completely enamoured by the film. Yeah, and you're right. The way you almost look at this going, who would not be caught up by yeah. Elvis calling your house going, come see me? Absolutely. You know, you know I it was kind of, in a weird way, relatable. You see uh, Priscilla's adolescent yearning very yeah. early on in the beginning of the film and I thought that was, you kind of see that love struck over an idol but she's like, please, to her mum and dad, please, you're, you're yeah. ruining my life. Why can't yeah. I see him? And again, that really just shows how young she was. It's a powerful movie, it has to be said. What are you going to say stars-wise for Priscilla? So 100% five stars, one of my favourite wow, films of the okay. year. I let a box that straight away when I was out at the cinema. It was it was fives all around for me. Wow, five stars. And we should tell listeners, a very erudite reviewer this week, Kira Tracy, she saw it in New York. No, you saw it in San Francisco, yeah, was it? Yeah, I did. Wow. Yeah, literally. Uh, News Talk didn't pay for it to go and no, watch it. No, I wish, like I wish. Yeah. But if anyone wants to. <laughs> yes. Um, I saw it on its open day in the US and it was great to have that cinematic experience because I honestly I was by myself as well which I think made it even more yeah. of an emotional one it was heart-wrenching and it was it was an incredible way of telling that story yeah lonely in San Francisco yeah. but anyway so five stars I wouldn't go that far because I'm old and jaded but I would give it four because <laughs> it, it is a great movie and yeah. the performances are fantastic and it's an important movie I think in lots of ways it is out on the 1st of January News Talk's own Kira Tracy gave it five stars thank you Kira. thank you John I don't go imagining things like Aunt Margaret Scooby? That's it, woman. I don't want to hear another word. Well, is there something you're hiding? I don't have a goddamn thing to hide. You're just being too goddamn aggressive in the manner. You know, I think you should go see your parents for a little while. What? I'm not going! I think you should. Matter of fact, I'll help you. Start packing. Joe! Yeah, what's up? Joe, get Stella on the next flight out of here. She's gonna go see your parents for a little while. Get her ticket out of here. Hurry up! A clip there from Priscilla, which is in cinemas on the 1st of January, directed by Sofia Coppola. And you heard me talking there to Kira Tracy, who was raving about it and gave it five stars. I gave it four, but it's still a very good movie, whichever way you look at it. That's it for this week. Not for this year, though, because as I mentioned earlier, I will have a special screen time on Christmas Day in two days' time where I'll be bringing you some festive movie clips and festive TV and festive music and a lot of fun. But thank you for listening all year long. We'll have a lot of fun again next year. I can tell you that in January alone, I will be talking to George Clooney and Joel Edgerton. So uh, lots to look forward to uh, in movies and TV in the coming year ahead on this screen time, News Talk's own TV and movie show. But for now, I will leave it there and wish you a happy remainder to your weekend and of course, a very happy Christmas.